Welcome to the story. We're so glad you guys are joining us this morning. Um, if it's your first time joining us, welcome. If it's your hundredth time, welcome. We're just glad to have you guys here this morning. Um, it's perfect time, actually. We're just beginning a brand new series. We started it last week, and our, our goal and our hope and prayer for the next year is to um, become more like Jesus. And so this new series we're in is just simply called Like, and so we're going to explore for one year what that looks like, how practically do we become more like Jesus. And um, this is kind of like the the big picture vision for where we're going over the next year. Um, we got this slide going to pop up in just a second right there. Uh, so there's four, there's four main things for uh, how this works. And we're going to take about two and a half months exploring each category. So um, to become more like Jesus, it starts with orthodoxy. That means proper thoughts and beliefs. We cannot become more like someone unless we have proper understanding of that person. So we're going to start that today. We're going to start a two and a half month series on exploring um, who is the person of Jesus, who is God, uh, what do we know of him, what has he revealed of himself. That then uh, goes down to the bottom left portion, which is orthopraxy, actions and practice. Um, those flow from a proper understanding of God. Um, we don't believe that it's just uh, behavior modification. We believe that as we have a proper understanding of God, that actually affects the way that we live. So we're going to get into that. And then section three over on the right, orthopathy, feelings and affections. The church for a long time has kind of neglected the fact that God created us as emotional beings and sometimes doesn't know what to do with people's emotions. And sometimes we don't know what to do. Although I might know what's right and be able to do what's right, sometimes my heart isn't in the right place. So we're going to talk about spiritual, emotional health and how the Holy Spirit uh, wants to change and transform the way that we feel about God. And then in the center of all that, which is uh, none of this is possible apart from the center triangle, is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who conforms us day by day more into the image of Christ. But today we're going to start the two and a half month journey on uh, the top triangle there of orthodoxy. And we're going to talk about thoughts and beliefs and what do we actually believe about God and what has God revealed to us of himself because the reality is we have to start there. If we don't have um, a, a proper understanding and idea of God, then it, it, we can't have prop, proper actions that reflect his glory and we can't have proper emotions that reflect his glory. And so it starts with our belief about God. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so I wanted to start this morning by just asking you that question to, to assess yourself and where you're at and just ask yourself, what do you think about God? And what do you know about God? And the reality is if we want to, which is the goal for the next year, become more like him, if we want to become more like Jesus, it begins with a proper understanding of who he is. I wanted to start by saying as well that the fact that we as humans can even in our tiny brains possess the idea of God. The fact that we can have the ability to think and reason and explore God's character and God's nature with our minds, that in and of itself is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to mankind. In fact, it's only humans who have the ability to consider this question, who is God, and think about God. And that's because when God created humans on the sixth day, he made man in his own image and likeness. So it's because God made us in in his image and likeness, that we even wrestle with the questions. The fact that you can ask, what do I believe about God? The fact that you can explore who is God is evidence that God created you in his image. Polar bears on the North Pole don't lay up late at night reflecting on the Aurora Borealis and go, whoa, I wonder if there really is a God. They don't do that. 
Your cat sitting on the couch late night purring on your lap isn't thinking, man, is God really out there? It's thinking, give me my food, bro. So only humans of everything in the world, of everything in creation, only humans have the ability in our minds to actually conceptualize God or be able to even think about God, which is absolutely amazing. And although God gave us a mind to be able to do that, although he gave us a mind to be able to think and know and delight in and explore and know who God is, sadly, often our, our thoughts fall miserably short from what God intended. The, the things that we think about, the things that we are so easily satisfied with that we often fill our minds with are, are, are so low in compared to what God wants us to fill our minds with, what he wants us to think about him. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 143, verse five, he wrote, I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. That word ponder in some other translations is translated muse. It means, it means to think about, to consider. And so what God wants from us in our minds as we're talking about proper thinking, proper understanding about God, he wants us to consider him. He wants us to think about him. He wants us to muse, to intentionally engage our minds, to, to, to think about and understand who he is. But again, we often do the opposite. We don't muse at God. Rather, we fill our minds with amusement. And amuse is the opposite of muse. It means to not think. It is a passive activity where we are not engaging our mind in thinking. I'm sure you've all been to an amusement park. That's a, it's, a, it's a fun thing, right? But the whole part of an amusement park is you show up here, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to think of anything. You just go on the ride. It's all passive. It's so fun. This is what we do every single day. We fill our minds with amusement, whether it be just binging on Netflix, you know, eight hours of the office, which sometimes I do, whether it be you wake up in the morning and you're just chilling on Instagram or Facebook for an hour, none of these things in and of themselves are bad. But when that becomes the main thing that can we fill our mind with and that consumes us and we never take time to actually muse and ponder and consider God, then maybe it is a little bit out of balance. And so what God wants for us, what our heart's desires in this next season, as we talk about understanding God, knowing God, orthodoxy, proper thoughts, proper beliefs about the person of God, is that this would be a place where you can come and you can consider and you can ponder and you can think about maybe things you've never thought about before. We want to challenge you to, 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 to expand your mind and to be able to say, man, maybe I never knew these things or never thought through these things, but I, I, I want to know. If God is real, I want to take that time to, to think about him and to ponder him and not just fill my mind with all the entertainment and all the amusement that we have in culture today. And the reality is, uh, I think the enemy will use amusement to, to, to lure us in and just to distract us. And if he can keep our minds just amused in all these things, we never take time to muse before God. We never take time to stop and ponder and consider and think about, as the psalmist said, man, considering your ways, considering who he is. So over the next two and a half months, this is going to be a space where we come and we consider. It's going to be a space where we come and ponder. It's going to be a space where we come and think and engage our minds in trying to understand who, who is this God? Because again, if we don't have proper understanding of God, there can't be transformation that comes from that place. But we have to know this, that the reason our minds naturally lean towards amusement 
The reason our minds don't naturally engage in all the time thinking about God is, is, is a product of what's called the fall. In Genesis chapter three, God created man in Genesis one and two in his image. Sin entered into the world and sin, rebellion against God, it, it, it distorted the image of God that was in us and it affected the way that we as humans think. Although the human mind was made to delight in God, know God, think of God, it no longer does that in the natural state. In fact, Romans chapter one, verse 21, Paul the apostle wrote this. He said, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So the reality is this, the natural state of our minds is futility. It's that the things that we delight in thinking about are, are just futile things. They're low thoughts. They're destitute of the real wisdom that God wants us to have. And so the reality is the greatest challenge that, that we are going to face, the greatest challenge specifically in this generation, in a digital age where amusement consumes our minds every second of every day, the, the, the greatest challenge that we face as a church stepping into the series is to teach people to elevate their concept of God and to teach people the importance of creating space to actually consider God, to actually ponder who he is and, and, to, and to teach us to do that. And so this is gonna be a space where, 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 where we do that together, where we come and consider who is God. And the reality is the way that we think about God um, affects everything. A low view of God is, is gonna affect a, a low morality and low worship. A high and elevated view of God, seeing him for who he truly is, results in a people whose lives and their worship and everything we do reflects the glory of God and brings other people into that space and, it, and, and, and God's glory encounters other people through us. And so that's my prayer is that as we are transformed into the image of God, as God reveals more of himself to us in this space, that, that it would impact not just us, but it would impact those around us as well. Our main text today, if you have a Bible, you can open up is Jeremiah chapter nine. If you don't have a Bible, Bible, that's totally cool. You can pull out your iPhone or Android. You can Google it. We also got it on the screens. Um, that's for, you know, people who don't have a smartphone or a Bible. I've never actually met one in real life, but I'm sure they do exist. So if you're here, God bless, you know, we got it for you as well. Um, Jeremiah chapter nine, Jeremiah pins this in verse 23 and 24. He says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in all the earth. The reality is as humans, our normal boast is in these things he talks about. Our, our wisdom, our might, our strength, our riches. Look at all these things that I have. And Jeremiah says, let our boast not, not be in these things, but let our boast be in this, that he understands and knows me. What God wants for you above all else is simply this. He wants you to know him. Let his boast be in this, that he knows me. God actually wants you to know him, but the type of knowledge that we're talking about here, that he's talking about here, it's not just a conceptual knowledge. It's not just knowledge about God. He wants us to know God relationally. 
Knowledge of God is not just an idea, it's, it's a relationship. God wants you to know him personally. He wants a personal relationship with you. And we see this from the beginning of time. God's intent for humans who he made in his image from the beginning of time was that he wanted them to know him, not just about him. He wanted them to have a personal relationship with him. And that's what God wants for each and every single person here. He wants you to know him personally. And we see this in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. God created Adam and Eve, and the first thing that God did after he creates Adam, he placed them in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 tells us this. The Garden of Eden, that word Eden means delight. We were talking about this at college group last Wednesday. Again, if you're college age, every Wednesday night, we're at SOU on the campus. You're more than welcome to come and join us. We're going through the book of Genesis. When God created Adam, though, he placed him in the Garden of Eden a place of delight, a place of pleasure. And so man's first knowledge about God was that this is a good God. This is a God who is for me, a God who wants to bless me. When man did nothing for God, when man had nothing to show God, God said, I want to bless you. God placed man originally there in the Garden of Eden, but it didn't stop there. It wasn't just, I want you to know about me that I'm a good God because I've placed you in the Garden of Eden. It went to the next level. God didn't stop there. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, and Genesis 3, verse 8, we see that God himself actually walked with man in the Garden of Eden. God was present in the Garden of Eden with him, and God talked with man. He had a conversation with man. And so we see that God's heart for humans from the beginning of time wasn't just to conceptualize what this God God is like, but it was to actually know him in a relational way. It was actually to have a personal relationship with him. And so knowing about God is one thing that, that, that may be a good start, but that requires no personal relationship. Whereas to actually know God, which is what Jeremiah is saying here, let us boast in the fact that we know him to actually know God is a very personal matter. Maybe God brought you here today because you may know a lot about him or maybe have thought about him, but you you don't actually know him. And that's a completely different thing. And what Jesus wants for you is to know him. He wants that to be the boast of your life. He wants that to be the thing in which you place your identity. The fact that you know him personally and intimately. And if, if, if that's not the goal, then we're missing it. If we come to church just to get better ideas about God or feel like a better person or to be able to leave and have a good theological discussion with someone, if that's the goal, we're missing it. If the reason we read the Bible is I want to know more about God, we're, again, we're missing it. That is uh, the, the start, but the end goal of what God wants for us is to actually know him. Again, it's a personal relationship. And so the width of our knowledge about God is not so much as important as is the depth of our knowledge of him. Again, it's a personal relationship that God wanted for us when he created us in his image. And so this is my heart for you guys today, that we would be able to assess, you know, where am I at on that spectrum? Because the reality is there are tons of people who know so much about God, who you could have a conversation with and they'll just blow your mind, but sometimes those people actually don't even know God. And then there's people, mainly in other countries where they don't have access to the scriptures like we do, there's tons of people who know very little about God, and yet you meet them and they actually know God. Their their relationship with him is 
is far beyond what we usually see here in America. They, they know him, not just about him. So I wanted to propose this question, which is something that we each have to ponder. And again, this is um, a, a space where we want you guys to be able to consider these things and to, to really engage your mind. And so the question for you today is, where are you at on this journey? Where are you at on the journey as far as coming to know God? And the beautiful thing is, we're so glad you're here, wherever you're at in that space. Maybe you don't know anything about God and you're like, I'm just kind of taking the first step. I don't know anything. We're so glad you're here. Maybe you grew up in church your whole life and you know all the Bible stories. You know so much about God, but you're like, but wait, I don't know if I actually know him. I don't know what that even looks like to actually have a relationship with him. I have a lot of ideas in my head. Uh, I've known a lot, but it's not a personal thing. And so I want you guys to to really ponder that, to really just self-assess and say, where am I at on that journey? Where are you at in your story? What part uh, does God play in your story currently? Is it distant? Is it just intellect or is it relational? Because that's the goal and that's the heart. What God wants for you is for you to know him. The thing, though, is that's kind of a a loaded term. Like, what does that actually mean to know God? And how do we actually know God? Is knowing God some sort of emotion or feeling we get in our particular moment? Is knowing God a a, a voice we hear? Does it mean we're going to, like, actually hear him, like, speak to us all the time? Does knowing God mean it's, it's, it's a vision we see, like we, we see him, like I know you and see you? Is, is, is that what it is? Is it some sort of intellectual experience? Is it just knowledge, fresh knowledge being poured into our minds? Well, this is an important question. What does that actually mean to know him? Jeremiah said, we want this, God wants this to be your boast that you know him, but what does that actually mean? What does it mean to know him? And that, port, that, that, that question is actually so important because eternity is what hangs in the balance of that question. How we answer that question, do I know God, affects everything we do here and now, and it it affects eternity as well. I want you to see what I mean. Matthew chapter 7, we got it on the screen as well. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Um, Matthew chapter 7, here's what Jesus said, starting in verse 21. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, meaning these, these people know him apparently. They call him Lord, which is master. But he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So the reality is this. There, there were people here who, who came and professed, Lord, Lord. They're like, oh, I know him. That, that's the Lord. And I did all these things that I thought he wanted me to do, you know, prophesying, casting out demons, like good things. And then he, Jesus is like, but wait, I, I never actually knew you. So there's, there's people who may think that they know God, but Jesus is like, no, you actually don't. I I actually didn't know you. And so how we answer that question, what does it actually mean to know God? And 
how do we know if we know God? That's a very important question because it affects our eternity. So before we get to God himself and, and what it means to know God, we, we have to just talk about uh, at the base root, just knowledge itself. So how do we acquire knowledge of something? Well, there's, there's primarily two things, what it means to know something or how we acquire knowledge. My, uh, knowledge is acquired through primarily two different things. Number one would be learning. And then the second thing would be experience. So I know English because I learned it when I was a kid. You can know another language by studying and learning it. You can know various crafts and skills by learning them or experience. I can, I can know a different culture by going to that culture and being a part of it and, and experiencing it and then going, oh, now I, I know what this is like. So knowledge is primarily acquired most of the time as a result of our effort. If I want to know something, I have to study it. If I want to know a particular place, I have to go and experience it. Most of the time, knowledge is acquired through learning and through experience. But knowing God is completely different than knowing complex abstract ideas or inanimate objects. Because God is actually a person, He's not an idea, he's not a place, he's not a thing. God is actually a person. And the reality is this, knowing a person is a lot more complex than knowing a place or studying a thing, right? Some of you are here and you've been married 20, 30, 40 years and you're like, I've been with this person my whole life and it's like, there's still so much you don't know about that person, right? It's not just like, yep, I studied it, I experienced it, and now I know that person. No, when it comes to people and knowing people, that is a, a, a long process. And in fact, it's, it's the exact opposite. How we acquire knowledge of another person is not through studying them or having a certain experience with them. Acquire, the way we get to know other people actually depends very little on us it's not so much effort on our part, but getting to know other people, the quality and extent of our knowledge of other people actually depends on them more so than us. If you want to get to know someone, it is their decision whether or not they actually open up and allow you to get to know them. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. There was that shot in and you're like, hey girl, what's good? Let's go get some coffee. And you're like wanting to get to know her because like homegirl is fresh. And then she's like, no, bro. And you're like heartbroken. You're like, oh, what? You're like, why not? And she's like, no, bro, I'm not talking to you. And as much, bro, as you want to get to know that girl, it ain't happening, bro. I'm just saying that. You know why? Because it's not your choice. The fact that you want to get to know someone, that's one thing. But to actually know someone requires them to say, I will let you get to know me. I will start to open up. I will share with you who I am. I will share with you what I'm like. The reality is when it comes to people and knowing people, we don't gain knowledge of people. We don't know people just by studying them or having experience. It is completely dependent on that other person. Each person has a choice as to how much of myself am I going to reveal to you? What things am I going to keep secret? Humans keep a lot of secrets. There's a lot of things about me you guys don't know. There's a lot of things about you I don't know. And I get to choose and you get to choose how much of myself am I going to really let you know. 
And so that is, again, when it comes to people, it becomes a lot more complex. When we're talking about knowing God, it's even more complex because God is the most complex being who ever has existed. He's more complex than just another human. He's eternal. It's like, so, so it's not a simple answer of like, you just learn that you just experience. Knowing humans actually, and knowing people requires them to say, I'm going to let you into this space. Now, I want you to imagine for a second that you're being introduced to a person who you feel to be far above you. All humans are created equal in the image of God. There is no such, this person's better. But there are times where we, we perceive other people to be better than us. Maybe it's a result of their success, wealth, intellect, professional skills. There's people who, who you look up to who you're like, I, I, I feel like they are better than me. Although the, the playing field is even because we're all created in the image of God. But I want you to imagine for a second that you, you get to meet this person who you really look up to. Maybe it is your, you know, favorite artist, your favorite musician, your favorite influencer, your favorite sports star. Let's say that you get an opportunity to meet them. Check this out. The more conscious that we are of our perceived inferiority, again, we're not inferior, but as humans, we sometimes think we're less than these individuals. The more likely that, the the more that we, um, are conscious of our perceived inferiority, the less likely we are to expect those people to actually open up to us, right? Like if you're meeting your favorite rock star, if you're meeting your favorite sports star, and they just give you a real courteous, formal, like, hey, it was good to meet you, like you're not gonna expect much of that person. You may really want to get to know them. You may be like, dude, I would love to hang out with him. I'd love to hang out with her. I'd love to be best friends. Like, oh my gosh, my boy Bieber, I'd love to meet him. My boy Odell Beckham, New York, like, let's go, dog. I'd love to get to kick it with that homie. Oh, my boy, whoever. Like, we would love to get to know these people, but the reality is, it's their decision whether they let you into that space. And the reality is most of the time, our thoughts are, okay, like if that person just says hi or like I get to take a quick selfie or whatever, like you'll be okay with that. And you'll understand that that person doesn't actually want to get to know me. But what if, on the other hand, a person who you perceive yourself to be less than or inferior to, a person who you really look up to, your favorite sports star, rock star, artist, influence, whatever, what if when you went to meet that person, Although you're expecting very little, you're like, they're probably just going to say hi like they do with the other 10 million people. But what if that individual actually decided to let you into their story? What if that individual actually made themselves available to you to an ongoing friendship? What if that person actually followed you on Instagram? What if that person actually gave you their number? What if that person actually started FaceTiming you when you were in the hotel? What if this person who you didn't expect anything from all of a sudden started just saying, I'm actually wanting to get to know you. I'm going to let you get to know me. The reality is that would probably have a radical effect on us we would feel greatly privileged and would probably, it would probably affect us for the rest of our lives. That that person who you look up to so much is actually revealing who they are to you, is actually letting you into their life, is actually bringing you into their story and is, is, is bringing you into an ongoing relationship. That would kind of blow your mind. Now, check this out. Again, as humans, acquiring knowledge of someone depends on them. 
They choose what they want to reveal about themselves to you. And when we're talking about the knowledge of God, we're addressing the question, what does it mean to know God who is a person? A proper understanding of God begins with understanding this, that God himself has actually chosen to make himself known to us and that God himself has invited us into a relationship with him. You don't know God because you pursued it and tried to do all this research. The way we know God and understand God is a result of him making himself known to us. Him inviting us into a relationship with him. The almighty creator, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the eternal omniscient and omnipotent God before whom the nations of the earth are as a speck of dust. That God, that person, has chosen of his own volition to make himself known to us. If that doesn't blow your mind or give you chills or something, I don't know what will. God has chosen in his freedom to say, I want you to know me. It should be the opposite. It's like, I want to know these people, but God's saying, no, I'm choosing to reveal myself to you. I want you to know me. God himself has made himself known to us and available to us and wants a personal relationship with us. Well, what do you mean that God has made himself known? That, that he's pursued a relationship, that, that he wants us? What does that look like? It says in John chapter 1, verse 18, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, that is Jesus, has made him known. God, who no man can know apart from God making himself known, God has made himself known to us through the person of Jesus. It says in 1 John 5, 20, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Here's the reality. We can only know God because of Jesus. Jesus is the fullness of the image of God, the full representation of God, the full radiance and glory of the person of God. And he could have for eternity dwelt up in the heavens and chose to do his own thing and he would have been completely just in doing that. But of his own will and of his own choice and of his own volition, he chose to come down and be present in his creation. He chose to take on flesh and embody humanity as we are and suffer as we do so that we could know him. Because he has made himself known to us in the person of Jesus So to simply answer this question that we started with, what does it mean to know God? To know God means this, that God himself has made himself known to you. It's not the ideas you create. It's not the things that you've read or knowledge that you've acquired. Knowing God is God has revealed himself to you. 
God has spoken to your heart and he's spoken this truth to you that I want a relationship with you, that I created you, that I love you, that I have pursued you, that I gave my own life for you to redeem you, to restore that relationship, to know God is to understand that God has made himself known to you and that God has considered you. So the question is, do you have this knowledge of God? Have you ever taken time to just be still and say, God, I, I wanna know if, if you are real. You're not gonna discover God on your own. It's not a journey you take, it's a journey that he took. You see, that's what separates religion, every religion of the world from a relationship with Jesus. Religion is man trying to find God, man trying to discover God, us having to do all the right things to get to God, whereas a relationship, this knowledge of God I'm talking about is what God already did, that he came to us, that he made himself known to us. To know God is to understand that God has thought of you, God has considered you, and God has pursued you and made himself known to you. And when you think about that, it is the most humbling thought that that a human mind can comprehend. The psalmist wrote it this way in Psalm chapter eight, verse one, three, and four. He said, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? When you just take a second to get out of your world and take a second to just realize that it's not all about you, and you look at the vastness of the world, you gaze at the heavens, you look at the beauty of creation around us and say, this God who created all of this, actually of everything in creation is considering me, is actually thinking about me, actually wants a relationship with me, has made himself known to me through the person of Jesus. Like the psalmist, we're, we're just in awe. It's like, why would he do that? I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. But that's the whole point. That God of his own choice has chosen to make himself known to us. And so my prayer today is that wherever you're at in that journey, maybe you're like, yeah, I've, I've known God 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. The beautiful thing about God is that he is inexhaustible that as we continue to walk with him day by day, he reveals more of who he is. Maybe you're here and you've never known what that looks like to have a relationship with God. And maybe today, like maybe in this moment right now, he's doing what he says he does. He's making himself known to you. Maybe you came in here having questions, which is a beautiful thing. It's great. We should ponder and question. Maybe, man, if this is real, I wanna know. And, And right now in your heart, You're hearing something you've never heard. You're feeling something you've never felt. God himself is is revealing himself to you. He's saying, it's not by coincidence that you showed up this morning. It's because I wanted you to know that I know you and I want you to know me. And if God's doing that in your heart today, all you you have to do is, is just surrender and say yes to that. There's no magical formula or there's no weird thing. It's just you say, God, I want that. I I want to know you and I believe you are pursuing me and I believe you're speaking to me and I want more of that. 
And just by in your heart saying yes to that, you will begin from this moment a, a new life. You from this moment will begin a relationship with Jesus and he will continue day by day as you fix your mind on him to continue to make himself known. You don't have to have all the answers, you just have to have that first step. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're in that space today, to just take that step and to say, I want that. I want to know God and I believe that God has made himself known to me and I wanna say yes to that. That's my prayer for every individual here. And for those of us who have been walking with the Lord and do know God, man, let's continue to pursue the knowledge of him. Let's continue to create that space where he can speak over us and reveal more of who he is. And as we do that, we are going to become more like Jesus. As we understand that God is who he's revealed himself to be, and as we create space for him to reveal to us who he is, we're gonna be transformed and we're gonna become more like Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you have made God known to us. Thank you that you left your glory in heaven and came down to this earth so that we could know God. We, we understand that we can't know you unless you want to reveal yourself to us. And you have. And you do want us to know you and you have made yourself known and given us an open invitation to step into a personal relationship with you. God, that is so humbling. It's so humbling that you actually want to know me, that you actually care about me, that you actually think about me. I, I don't get it and I don't think I ever will, but I'm so grateful that you've done that, that you've made space to make yourself known. And I pray right now, you just continue to do that in people's hearts If there's people here who don't know you, who have never known you, you, Holy Spirit, will just speak into them and saying, this is what I've created you for. This is that hole you've been trying to fill with everything else the world has to offer. This is the joy you've been trying to find. It's me. It's it's, it's me. I'm right here. And so God, just do a work in people's hearts. We want to hear from you. We want to listen. We want you to reveal more of who you are. So continue to do that in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.